all be on the same page. First Samuel chapter 16. We're only going to read one verse this morning. And you guys have sung well this morning. You guys came full throat, and that's a blessing. It encourages, I think, others. I know it encourages me, and uh, I want to just thank you for that. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, as we've been studying this great book of the Bible, last week there was a verse that actually touched my heart during the sermon. And I, I at that, that moment, I just started asking the Lord, Lord, is this what you want me to preach on next week? And all this week, I went back and forth and back and forth, and then he finally settled this. Um, but I want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, does everybody have an outline for this morning? If you don't have one, raise your hand real quick. If you don't have an outline, okay. Uh, Braden, you want to go grab those for me, buddy? Awesome. Keep it up, and we want to make sure that you have one. While he's passing that around, around I do want to remind you that there's no Awana ministry this uh, Wednesday night because we'll be taking the teenagers down to youth conference right there in front of you, bud, to your left. There you go. Um, and uh, so we'll, there'll be no service on Wednesday night, except for prayer. Uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask a few of you, if you could, John will open up the building, and then if we could come and just meet together uh, to pray. My wife and I, again, will be with the teenagers down south, but if you'll come and just self-organize, ladies with ladies and guys with guys, we'd just like to pray, pray for our church. And uh, how many think, I can be here on Wednesday night and I can pray with people in our church, all right? Good, there's several of you. So if you can be here uh, at 7 o'clock, then uh, we'll have the church open. And, and uh, if we need to have the heater on, we'll have the heater on or whatever. Uh, but I'd like to meet and just continue to encourage us to pray. Based on what we talked about in Sunday school, we need to pray. Amen? And we need to continue to ask the Lord to use us and prepare us for his use. So um, if you could do that. So pray for us, by the way, when we go down there. Uh, pray for travel mercies that uh, we get down there and get back. Uh, pray for our sanity. Say, so why is that? If you've ever worked with teenagers, you always have to pray for sanity, all right? So just pray. And then thirdly, pray for the teenagers, as there'll probably be several thousand teens there. Pray that God would speak to their heart, um, because their world and their country that they're going to grow up in is vastly different from the one that some of us old guys grew up in, all right? And they're going to have a greater challenge ahead of them. So pray that God would use the youth conference uh, for his glory and speak to every one of their hearts. First Samuel chapter 16 the Bible says in verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that is David, in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit, notice this phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that time forward. That phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that time forward, is a wonderful, wonderful part of Scripture that I want to launch off onto, uh, into our message this morning. Um, Every one of us know that there are moments in life that you remember more than others, memories uh, that have more detail. Some memories are a little foggy, um, other memories have a, a great detail, and, and some more than others. And I suppose it probably has to do with um, the emotions involved and in the actual incidents uh, or, or the circumstance. For instance, um, when you're 16 years old in the state of California and you're allowed to get a driver's license, that's a big deal. And so most of us remember whether we passed, whether we failed, um, kind of things that, that revolved around that. You couldn't wait to get your driver's license. You couldn't wait to, you know, you got your first car. How many remember your first car? Some of, some of you are like, I'd like to forget the first car that I ever had. Um, I had a 1985 Mercury Lynx. And they don't, they don't, anybody know what that car looks like? It's like a Ford Escort, but Mercury. It's the same exact thing. It was navy gray. It was the ugliest little car on the planet. But it was mine. And I couldn't wait to get My dad and I paid $5,000 for that car. And it was a four-speed. He taught me how to drive a stick. And I could drive a stick. I could drive a stick. Now, the problem was 
it didn't have a whole lot of power to give, but I had a stick. And I, I just remember all kinds of things I remember. Why? Because it was my first car. And I always thought, man, this is it. Now, you know, you get your license, you get your car, freedom. That's what you're thinking, right? So you remember things like that. You remember your first car. Um, hopefully you remembered when you got married. Hopefully that was a good day. Some of you are like, well, wait. Oh, yeah, I do remember. I'm married today. Um, hopefully you remember some details about that day and things like that. Um, you remember, hopefully, when your children were born. If God's blessed you with children, you'll remember. I promise you'll remember. It may be bad, but you'll still remember, right? Um, the fact of the matter is there's parts in your life that you remember with a little more detail uh, than others. Um, you know, to be honest, my graduation was a big deal, but I don't remember a whole lot of it. I remember being there. I remember the class song that they sang was Rod Stewart's Forever Young because the 80s generation is the greatest generation ever. And we're always going to be forever young. But I remember, and here's what I remember most about my graduation. It wasn't the fact that I'm done. It wasn't because I didn't make the daisy chain. I didn't have, I didn't make honor roll or anything like that. What I remember most was when Carrie Schultz was singing the song. I was sitting there going, I could totally do that song better. So it wasn't a really good day necessarily in every aspect. But isn't it interesting how some days are full of a little more detail than others. Some days in your life are a little more impacting than others. When Ashley was born, I remember this amazing, huge sense of responsibility that fell on me when I held my baby girl for the first time. And I just thought, God, this is, you trusting me with this? All six pounds, 10 ounces of her, you're trusting me with this? Uh, what, what do I do with it? How, how do I make it become whatever it's supposed to be? And, 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 and I just remember thinking, holy cow, everything that goes into this baby, I'm responsible for. And I'm accountable to God for. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness. And if I'd have known now what I knew then, I probably would have stopped at one. (laughs) Five kids later, I'm still like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do, okay? Um, But we remember some things a little more detailed because of the event. Now, David had some memories that he would never forget. um, Either like the time the lion came into the fold and tried to attack the sheep and he grabbed it by the beard and smote it. Or the other time, you remember, when the bear showed up, and, and, and I suppose that he could tell stories of killing them with his own hands, that those things are never going to leave you. Good hunting trips never leave you. But there was something far more important to David than tending sheep and killing wild animals with his hands. It was his personal relationship with God. Of all the things that he could have spent his days writing about, of all the things that he could have been meditating on and putting down in very specific details, it was God that he thought about the most. It was God and his relationship with God that was very personal. In fact, you know this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Bible says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. The Bible says that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Bible says thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou, listen, anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you hear it? In the middle of that psalm, he writes of the time recorded in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13. He writes of the time 
when he could have written about a lot of things, about the, the rod and the staff, and he could have written about how God protected him, but instead, he adds the fact that he remembers being anointed with oil and all the blessings of God that came from that. That day truly mattered to David, and it was special because from that day forward, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 in our text, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, there's only one way to approach the living God, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come to God through Christ, the Bible says that God places his Holy Spirit in us, in the very core of our being. We become, the Bible tells us, indwelt by God's Spirit by the promise of the Lord Jesus himself. In John chapter 14 and verse 7, even the Spirit of truth, whom, listen, the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Listen, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What a tremendous promise from the Lord Jesus himself. Now, this morning I want us to consider then the Holy Spirit of God and his role in our lives. Let me, let me make it a little more personal. I want you to consider whether the Holy Spirit of God is actually in you and his role that he's been playing in your life. Do you honestly really know what the Holy Spirit sounds like when he speaks? Do you honestly know what he's there for? Do you understand what he actually is from God? And I want us to consider, first of all, this morning in your notes, if you're following along, that the Spirit of God is first and foremost a gift. He's a gift of God. Now, I've been given a lot of things in my lifetime, a lot of things. Uh, several years ago, we had a man by the name of John Bessie. This is decades ago in our church. And John was dying of cancer. He used to come to our church with oxygen tank. And uh, one day, out of the complete blue, he called me and he said, Hey, uh, Pastor Haynes, can you come over? He lived over by you, Brother Bedley. Uh, John Bessie lived on the next court over from y'all. And um, he said, Can you come over? I said, Sure, John. And so I came over and uh, he was in the back and his oxygen machine was out in the living room and his cord was able to go all over the house. And he came out and uh, and he sat down in his easy chair and he said to his wife, I want you to go get that thing that I talked to you about, about pastors. So I sat down. We had a few conversations. The next thing you know, his wife brought in a gun case. That's always a good sign. Okay, is everybody okay? We're in California talking about guns. Everybody okay? All right, good. It's your Bible right. I mean, constitutional right to have a gun. Anyways, he brought out this gun case and he said, Pastor Haynes, he said, I'm going to die soon. And he said, I've never shot this gun. The only time I was ever shot was at the factory. And I want to give it to you. And I, I didn't know what it was. It could have been a BB gun for all I care. But the fact that this man thought of me was very humbling. I opened it up and it was a Weatherby Vanguard 30-06. And it had a really smoking scope on the top of it. It's what they call a cabinet gun. It's so pretty you just want to leave it in the cabinet. Okay. I literally did not know what to say. I literally started crying. I said, John, this is the most beautiful gun I've ever seen. By the way, Weatherby, it would be like, you know, here's like Yugo cars. And here's like the Ferrari. This is where the Weatherby sits. Okay. It is, it is a Cadillac gun. It really is. And I said, I don't even know what this is. He said, well, it's a, it's a pretty good gun. And he said, I think I want to, I want to give it to someone who will use it and really appreciate it. And from everything that you ever say in the pulpit, I know that you love guns, and I think that you'll appreciate it and get some good use out of it. And, and, and I was very humbled. I was very appreciative. And that was a wonderful gift. In fact, I, was, I really didn't know. I came home, and I, ca I called one of my friends, and I said, hey, you'll never guess. This guy just gave me this gun. He said, he gave you a what? And I told him. He said, do you know how much that gun's worth? 
I said, no. He said, it's about a $3,000 gun before the scope. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And, I, and, and what happened? When he put the value on it, it made it even more precious to me. Now, I will tell you, I've been given some really cool things, but none of them compared to the Holy Spirit of God. God gave us the Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to, I want to just you to consider a couple of things briefly about the Spirit of God as a gift. First of all, to those who are saved, he's a personal gift. He's a personal gift. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, the Bible says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Do you understand that the Bible says that if you're saved and born again, that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, just like the Spirit of God came upon David from that time forth, the day that you got saved, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of you. And listen, forever. He never leaves. He is the agent, the Bible says, of regeneration and adoption. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy has he saved us. Listen, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. The characteristic and the and the the standard as a child of God is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So God very plainly says, listen, if you're born again, I'm giving you this gift. And it's a personal gift. Why? It doesn't rest upon you like it did in the Old Testament. Rather, it's dwelling in you. That's far more personal. And by the way, it's far more permanent. Would you agree? By which we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Galatians 4 and verse 6. And because your sons, uh, uh, because your sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son, listen, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the spirit of God is given to people who have come to Jesus Christ, recognized their sin, confessed Christ to be their savior, asked him to save him. He saves them and the seal and the person of the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives. That's a gift. Now that's a gift to those that are saved. But I want you to see secondly, to those who are lost, he's foreign. To those who are saved, he's personal. But to those who are lost, to those people who don't know Jesus Christ personally. He's foreign. First Corinthians 2 and verse 14. But the natural man, notice, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. To the unsaved person, they have no idea who the Spirit of God is as they go through life. Now listen just carefully, plainly. Their decisions are based on what feels good. Their decisions in life are based on what's best for them at the moment. Some have, des- some have described it as living their, uh, living, their life, uh, living their life as following their heart. So they're following their emotions. They're following their desires. They're foreign to the Spirit of God. But just because they don't know him doesn't mean that he's not working in their life. Though he may be foreign, doesn't mean that he's not working. To them, he's a gift, in my opinion, that just hasn't been opened yet. Which leads us to secondly to not only is the Spirit of God a gift, the Spirit of God is a guide. He's a guide. All of us would like to think that we can find our own way, especially us men. Um, 
the only reason that we use maps and listen to that female voice is because you're so stubborn you don't want to listen to your own wife's voice, okay? It's kind of, to me, it's a little hypocritical. Um, before, you know, back in the day when you had nothing but a direct, you stopped at a gas station. I'll never remember. We went, we were stationed in Ellis Air Force Base, and I said, hey, let's just go drive around Las Vegas. And um, my wife was like, okay. You know, she at that point was like, hey, I can trust it. We can do anything, right? So we started driving. The next thing you know, I was lost. And, and Vegas is the wrong place to get lost in. We drove down Sahara Boulevard. And I was like, well, it's a grid, and I just know that this is east, and if we just stay east. The problem was I was driving west. I knew Sahara crossed Nellis Boulevard, but I wasn't going to find Nellis Boulevard if I was going the opposite direction. Man, I was like, no, we're going right. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, by that time, we were at the edge of town. Sahara Boulevard goes out of the middle of nowhere. And we stopped, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, here's why I ended up out there, because I didn't listen to my wife's voice that said, why don't you just stop at a gas station and get directions? And I was like, no, I'm a man, and I don't need directions. I know I'm going. Why are you laughing, Sandy? I know I am going west. And emphatically, it was a lie. I had convinced myself that I was going the right way, but instead I was going my own way. And I was completely wrong. Finally, what happened? Did you ever get back? Well, yeah. Why? Because I stopped at a gas station and said, um, I don't know where I'm at. Where do I need to go? And then I got back in the car and guess what? We ended up back where we wanted to be, which was back home in the first place. Now watch. All of us would like to think that we can find our own way to God. When scripture says the exact opposite, listen to what the Bible says. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone our own way. Romans 3 and verse 10, as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are gone out of the way. There's none that seeketh after God. They're gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Proverbs 14, 12, in fact, says the end of that way. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, our own way leads only to one thing. That is separation from God forever in a place designated by God himself called hell. That's why the Holy Spirit is the best gift because of his ministry to people. Now, just think about this to the saved. He uh, what did I say? What's letter A under the outline there? I'm too lazy. Huh? He he what? He leads. The lost sinner to the, what's letter B? The saved into the way of righteousness? Is that what I said for the first one? No. Letter A under number one. To those who are saved, he's personal. Thank you. My little preacher in the house yelling at me. Can I watch? He's personal to one, the saved. He's foreign to those that are lost. To those who are lost doesn't mean that he's not there. They just don't understand who he is, right? So what's his ministry then? Well, his ministry is to lead the sinner to the Savior. That's what he's supposed to do. In fact, Jesus said that um, in Galatians 3 and verse 24. The Bible says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster bringing us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But in John sixteen seven, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, listen, 
When he has come, he will reprove. That word is rebuke. Reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Now listen. All of us are born sinners. Everyone is born a sinner. I don't sin. I'm not a sinner because of what I do. I'm a sinner because of who I am. I was born in iniquity, the Bible says. I was conceived in iniquity. So all of us are born sinners. Because of that, we all need a savior. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that being the case, the Holy Spirit's first purpose then in my life is to prick my heart about sin. How does he do that? Through the truth. Oftentimes, that's unidentifiable until I come in contact with God's word. Then when I come in contact, he teaches me from the law of God that I'm a sinner, which leads me to who then can be saved. Well, if I'm a sinner, how do I get saved? If I continue reading, it also tells me that Jesus died and rose again to pay for my sins. And not just mine only, but the sins of the whole world. And whoever will accept him as savior personally, then I shall be saved. Now, I've spoken to a fair amount of people about the Lord and about salvation. And when they tell me about their life, I can see the Holy Spirit leading them to the door of salvation. When it gets to the point where they're sitting in front of me and they're actually listening to what the Bible says about salvation, and I've asked them about their life, I can see how God was trying to bend them back and trying to get their conscience to be open to him. I can see that, all right? They can't see it because the Holy Spirit is foreign. But to those of us that have the Holy Spirit, we see the word of God and the pursuit of Jesus Christ on their life because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How can I know that I'm a sinner except the law teach me that I am one? Then the law says, listen, this is what God demands. And then I look at the law and say, I can't do that. That's when I keep reading and the law says, no, you can't. But Jesus said, I can. And I did. The work is finished. And now I'm offering this as a gift. The Holy Spirit as a gift brings me to the gift of eternal life, which is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that is how we say, man, God, you're so good. The Bible says in Psalm 25 and verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. Remember that God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if Christ died for all sinners, which we all are, then it would make sense that he's in pursuit of them all, even though they don't know it. Now, the fact of the matter is, even though he may be foreign, doesn't mean that he's distant. Because Paul even said to the people in Athens, look, you'll find him if you search for him because he's right here. He's never left you. To the, to the sinner, he leads them to the Savior. Letter B, he leads the saved into the way of righteousness. Remember Psalm 23, the Bible says that he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, I think as Christians, we can kind of get a little off course sometimes, can't we? And we start living instead of for the sake of Jesus' name, we live for the sake of our own name. How people view us, we talked about that last week. Uh, How we're seen in people's eyes, the way it makes us feel when we're appreciated, the way it makes us perceived by other people. But God says, look, I want to lead you for my name's sake because it's a better name. I want to leave you in the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, verse 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left hand. What's the voice behind? It's the Holy Spirit of God. 
It's the still small voice that tells us that. Not the whirlwind, not the fire, not the earthquake. It's the still small voice of God. Here's the way, walking in it. Ezekiel 36, verse 27. And I will, listen to this verse, amazing. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now that verse in the Old Testament tells us that the key to our doing the right thing, going the right way, is dependent on one thing, the Holy Spirit of God. Whether he is in me or not, and what I do with that gift. John 16 and verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And then notice, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit guides the sinner to the Savior. And he leads the saved for the rest of their life. Now, watch, the greatest blessings then come from following that lead. The greatest blessings come. Why? Because he's not speaking of his own. He's speaking of Christ and he's taking the Christian in the way of truth. The Holy Spirit of God, listen, is never going to lie to you. It's never going to lie to you. Why? He can't because he is one with God and God is a God of truth. So he's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it, shall he not make it good? So the fact is, God says, I'm putting that spirit in you, and I want him to lead you. The best, the greatest blessings come from following his lead, which means the worst decisions are a result of ignoring that leading. The worst decisions you've ever made have been made outside of the will of God. The worst decisions you and I will ever make is saying no to the spirit, because the Bible says, well, I'm going to put it in you, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make sure that you know when you're supposed to go to the right and when you're supposed to go to the left. But what if I just want to go straight? Well, then that'll be on you. It won't be on me. Because I'm the voice behind you that said, here's the way or here's the way. Walk ye in it. So how can I go wrong listening to the voice of right? I can't. God says, listen, that's on me when you follow me. But if you don't, it's on you. George Mueller, fantastic Christian of old, said this, I will seek the will of the Holy Spirit of God through or in connection with the word of God. The spirit and the word, he said, must be combined. If I look to the spirit alone without the word, I lay myself open to great delusions. If the Holy Ghost guides us at all, it will do it according to the scriptures and never contrary to them. When people say, this is what I'm going to do, or this is what I believe God's leading, I always say, can you show me a Bible verse? Because if I know of a Bible verse that contradicts what you're doing, then I can prove to you it's not the Spirit of God. That means it's not his will. That's why John said to the, to the Christians that were scattered abroad, try the spirits to see if they be of God. Because there's a spirits in the world. I have my own and then there's the Holy Spirit of God. Which one do we want to listen to? The fact of the matter is, how is he leading in your life? Have you been following him? Because he's a gift. See, you've got to start with that. Man, God himself has come and indwelt me with his precious and sweet and, and, and wonderful and peaceful Holy Spirit. Now, if that's a gift, then it's given to me for a reason. He wants to guide me in the way. Thirdly, and I'm done, the Spirit of God is then a guard for the Christian. He's a guard. Now, it's God's spirit who convicts us and saves us. It's God's spirit by the word of God that gives us assurance of salvation. That same spirit we know we've already talked guides us, teaches us, protects us, and provides us with the necessities of life for us, meeting every one of our needs. So 
for the Christian, he is our lifeline to the will of God. The Holy Spirit of God is the lifeline to the will of God. He equips us. He enables us to do all that God calls us to do and to keep us from sin through the truth of his word. Now, let's go back and jump back into 1 Samuel chapter 16. So the Bible says that that uh, David here has the spirit of God from this day forward. Now, we're going to talk about this next week. The spirit of the Lord on verse 14 departs from Saul, and he's been given an evil spirit by God. And we'll talk about that. As Saul then is having problems, the people in his court say, you know, dude, you're making life miserable for all of us. I'm paraphrasing. Why don't you let us seek out a guy who can play the harp? When he plays the harp, it'll soothe you and you'll chill out. All right. So they said, let's go seek for a man to do this. Okay. Which means, by the way, that they didn't know. People have falsely said they knew where David was. That's not true. Which means that they had to go find him. And David just happened to have to be playing. Okay. See, nothing happens by accident. So they go out looking and they hear, where's that noise coming from? Oh, it's coming from over there at Jesse's house. Well, who's playing? Shaman doesn't know how to play. Eliab certainly doesn't even know anything about him. He's, he's the worst singer on the planet. We know it's not them. Who is it? They go and look, and it's David. And the Bible says that they go and they select David. Now, we'll talk about this next week, but I want to bring this up for here. The Bible says that because of the Spirit of God being on David, David was a different man. It talks about his speech. It talks about his conduct. It talks about his character. And God had, God had so influenced David. This is what it says. Listen, that they saw that God was with him. Now, what is that? That's protection. That is protection. From whom? The spirit of the living God. You see, it's the spirit of God that says, hey, don't be angry at your brothers, though they're mad at you. Don't be angry at your brothers, though they sold you into slavery. Don't be anger, angry at your boss because he falsely accused you of rape and threw you into prison. Don't be angry at anybody. I want you to be careful because if you're angry, the Bible says that you give place to the devil. Who says that? It ain't the devil. It's the Holy Spirit of God. What does he do? He tells you when and where and how. And when we listen to him, he protects us from those evil things. Even though we may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. When when all of the circumstances seem threatening, what does he do? He comforts us. Why? Because emotions in the valley of the shadow of death can take you down a tank. They can put you down a wrong hole. So the Spirit of God says, wait, time out, stop. I've got this. You can trust me. I'm not leading you in a wrong way. Yeah, this is the path of righteousness. And yes, it looks ugly right now. But I want you to know that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so because I'm here, you need to yield to me. Don't give place to the devil. Don't go in that direction. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Keep thine eyelids straight before thee, and thine eyes right on. What is that? That's protection. When the Holy Spirit of God throws up that red flag and says, Ah! You need to be careful with that relationship. Up, you need to be careful with that boss. Up, stop what you're getting ready to say. How many of you have a problem sometimes that I have that you speak before you think? You ever? Let's try it again. How many have the problem that you speak before you think? I'm going to preach online in a minute. <laughs> no. I, I can tell some of you didn't raise your hand like I have. I don't have that problem and I'm jealous. Okay? I wish I didn't have that problem. And, and what, what is the only way, what's the only thing, you know the Bible says the tongue is a wicked thing vile thing and no man can tame it that's what the bible says 
But do you know that I've found out who can actually tame it, Sandy? God can. That's the only one that can tame the tongue. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit and bringing all things to remembrance. Look at what the Bible says in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Notice this. And bring all things to your remembrance. You ever, Miss Judy, you ever go somewhere and a Bible verse pops in your mind? Yeah. You know who did that? The Holy Spirit of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, it may not be in the grocery aisle. It may be because, you know, someone's doing something. The verses that always come to me are like, a soft answer turneth away wrath. <laughs> you know? But I'm thankful for that. Why? Because only by pride cometh contention. You ever had a colorful disagreement with your spouse? You know, the one verse that... I worked at Kmart. That was my first job. How many remember Kmart? That old great institution of thinly sliced ham that you wondered if it was real or not. The author of the Blue Light Special. Remember? Attention Kmart shoppers, the blue light is now in the men's section, and for the next 15 minutes, underwear and t-shirts will be on sale for, you know, and whatever. And people are like, blue light, blue light. And they just, you know, you could see it, just like drawn like bugs to the light, right? That blue light tells them something's going on. When you see a red light in your rearview mirror, that also tells you that something's going on. You're about to pay a fine, right? So what do you do? You get over. You know why I pulled you over? Oh, no. I have no idea why you pulled me over. Are you sure? Because you're going like 130 and a 45, you know. I, I wasn't paying attention. Up, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Press hard, three copies, right? You're, you're there. The fact of the matter is there are things that go off in our life, whether it's a timer on your microwave or a light bulb, that tell you something is going on. Can I just say this? The Holy Spirit wants to be like that in your life. Now, you can quench and grieve him to the point where you don't see that light or hear that alarm, but he wants to be that. He wants to be that still, small voice that can still be heard that says, hey, only by pride come with contention. Get in there and settle it with your wife now. Humble yourself, you dork, <laughs> and make this right. You need to apologize. You need to, whatever, you need to stop. If you open your mouth again, you're going to regret it. Ah, well, okay, there you go. See, it, whether it's initially or afterward, the fact of the matter is he wants to be that voice. Why? Because he's a guard. What a gift, by the way. Look at the alternative. The sinner who's lost doesn't have that. There's no guard. They're, they are going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to say whatever they want to say. And by the way, with no recourse, they think. Now that's a tragedy. To have no struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians chapter 5 says, This I say, then walk in the spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They don't know that struggle. The things that I would, I don't do. The things that I would not, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. They don't have that struggle. The Christian does. To the Christian, he's a guard. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual with spiritual. The fact of the matter is, Someone without Christ doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside. There's no voice telling them, I'm sorry, I want the Holy Spirit of God not only to live in me, and not only do I want to live and go to heaven when I die, I want to let him lead my life. I want him to guard me. 
I want him to lead me not in the way of transgressions. I want him to lead me not into temptation. I want his voice to constantly be bringing up the things that he's taught me. Why? So I can have the richest, fullest favor of God that I possibly can. I can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit of God. We can't do that. I, I, I can't make the right decision without it. You can see in our, in our text that David's life was different and people took note that God was with him. What more could a person ask? What an amazing gift. It's the Spirit of God that empowers us to conquer all the trials and temptations of life who enables us to live a victorious and triumphant life day by day. Sadly, those that are saved have no guard to sin. They have no voice to, as to reasons why and what or who or where. And what am I getting at? Here it is and I'm done. What amazing favor of God that he should give you and I the Holy Spirit. That he should come and dwell in us. That he's working to save, from our, save us from our sin and to lead us as far away from that sin as possible. What a gift that God should come and dwell in us, pray for us and guide us every day of the, uh, every step of the way in our life. And by the way, what a gift that he should never give up. What a gift that he should never give up. Because as we've talked about even last Wednesday night, there's going to come a day when the Spirit is going to stop striving with men. Jesus is coming to get his bride. And he that letteth will be taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit. When that happens, there's no more striving. He's no longer seeking to convict. He's gone. And this world is going to be turned upside down by a liar. His name is Satan. And this world will finally see exactly what happens when God is not as compassionate and favorable. The fact of the matter is, we've been given an amazing gift. Do you know him? Will you take the Lord Jesus to be your savior? Will you accept him today as your guide? Would you yield to him and say, you know, Lord, I, I have been struggling with resisting you. And I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? I want to yield to your spirit. I want you to have your own way, Lord. Have your own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. That's what we should be praying. Let's pray to that end this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your spirit. And I, I thank you, God, for the truth. And Lord, I thank you for my salvation this morning. I, I, I can't say that on behalf of everybody in this room because I don't know everybody's heart. But I know that you know them. Lord, your Holy Spirit is the one that is speaking to our heart about the truth. And if we're lost, you're telling us that we need to be saved and why and how. Lord, if we're saved, you're telling us whether or not we've been yielded to your spirit in areas in our life. Lord, it could be in our marriage. It could be in our job. It could be just in our disposition uh, toward you. And God, what we want what we want is your blessing. What we want is your guidance. What we want, what we need truly is your Holy Spirit to have liberty in us. And so I pray that you would this morning in this service, pray that you'd speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you just for a few minutes, a couple of questions while Jenna begins to play. If you're here and you say, Pastor Haynes, I know without a shot of a doubt, if I died right now this morning, I know that I would be in heaven I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of the King because I've been saved by grace through faith alone. If that's you and you have that testimony, would you just lift your hand up real quick? 
I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. If I died, I'm on my way to heaven. I know that. Lift your hand up high. Let me see that. All right. You can put your hands down. Thank you for raising. How many would say, but Pastor Haynes, though I'm saved, I need to be more careful and more attentive to the precious Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. Would you pray for me during this invitation about that matter? If that's you, would you just lift up your hand real quick? I need to be more attentive, more careful with the Holy Spirit of God. You put your hands down. How many would say, sadly, Pastor Haynes, I don't know Jesus is my Savior, and I don't know for sure if I died, I'd be in heaven today. But I'd like to know that. If that's your prayer this morning, could I pray for you? Nobody looking around. Pastor Ains, here's my hand. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd be in heaven. Would you pray for me? If that's you, can you just slip it up and put it down real quick? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? There's no shame at Calvary. Nobody here is to poke fun. There's nobody better than anybody else in this room. The ground is level at the cross of Jesus Christ. Pastor, here's my hand. I don't know. I just don't know. I'd like to be sure, but I just don't know for sure. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Anybody like that? Just slip it up. Put it down real quick. Anybody? All right. In a moment, we're going to stand. I'm going to pray. This altar is open for anyone that would like to come and pray this morning, that would like to just lay their lives down. There's just something about stepping out and, and, and making that forward progress and leaving where I am and laying it before the Lord. If, if the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to you today, I pray that you'll speak right back and that you'll yield to him. Let's stand together as we pray this morning. Can you just, can we pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, there, there are many hands that were raised today as a testimony of your saving grace. And for that, I'm very grateful. Lord, we thank you for our salvation. We also thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. What a precious, precious day for David. What a precious day for us when we got saved. When you took our sins, when you gave us your spirit instead. God, from that day, you've been trying, you've been trying to remind us of what you wrote in your word, how you lived your life here on this earth. God, there's been many of us that have just ignored you. For that, we're so sorry. Would you please have mercy on us today, God? We pray that you'd forgive us of our sin and where we've grieved, where we've quenched your spirit. We ask for your mercy. We ask that you'd help us to be so attentive and careful with the precious gift that you've given to us. We ask that you would guide and direct us. We would not ignore you, but rather we would yield to you. And we ask that you would bless that. We pray that you would guide us even this week into all things good and right like you promised. And God, I pray that we would commit ourselves to following your lead. Have your way with us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name.